Crosspoint Church's weekly sermon audio from lead pastor Brad Evangelista. For more information about Crosspoint, visit InsideCrosspoint.com. I have thought long and hard what I wanted my first words to be to you from this pulpit on this stage. And I don't think I could come up with a more appropriate text of scripture than Psalm 145. This is not my sermon text for today, but I'm just going to read it and we're going to revel in it and we're going to give God praise. So you don't even have to flip there. I think we're going to have it on the screen. I just cannot capture what I'm feeling better than these words from Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all Look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Friends, that is what we are here to do. And just we've been breaking it in. The band has been playing. We've been kind of working it out. I've, I've kind of had butterflies over there in that chair wondering What's going to happen is, are the lights going to stay on? And, and well, we have come now to magnify Jesus. And so, as David said in that psalm, let's, let's together, with gratefulness in our hearts, bless the name of the Lord forever. Can we just give him a hand clap? Yeah! Hallelujah! And in typical Crosspoint vein, somebody slipped a note on the pulpit. It says, don't mess it up. Thank you very much. (laughs) Selah. Praise the Lord. Well, if you are visiting with us, uh, we are so glad that you're here. 
My name is Brad, and I'm, uh, by an unusual act of God's grace, called to be the lead pastor here and to pour out my life for the sake of the gospel for this city. We are very glad that you are here today. We hope that you sense that we care very passionately uh, about one thing and one thing alone, and that is King Jesus and his glory. And so if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open it up to Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there are... Now, we don't have... I guess traditionally they're called pew Bibles, although we don't have pews, chair Bibles. They're on the rack in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. You are welcome to take it. Uh, It's not the best Bible in the world, but if you don't have one, take it. The leather's not the greatest. And so if you want a better one, uh, wait for a couple weeks until we accumulate a lost and found, and then... Pillage that. Today I'm going to confine my attention as we kick off our meeting here to one verse. That is unusual for us. We tend tend to take large passages of Scripture and work our way through them. In fact, next week, if you come back, and we hope you do, if you come back, we are starting a series on the New Testament letter of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to be working our way through 1 Corinthians for the rest of this fall and into the spring. It'll probably take us about six months. And so if you are not familiar with that letter, I encourage you to begin reading it. We're going to kick off our series in 1 Corinthians next week with a look at how the church was started and then work our way through 1 Corinthians. It's a beautiful letter about people that are messed up just like us. And then most of all, the letter is about a beautiful Christ who saves messy people like us. And so begin to read that, but today we're going to confine our attention to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, and we are going to rally around this one theme, that we are here to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Before we read that verse, and before I give you several thoughts on that verse, and before we worship God together through the Word, we are so thankful to be here. This is all grace. We do not deserve anything from the Lord except His righteous judgment for our rebellion against Him. But in His kindness, He has saved us, for those of us that have repented and believed in Jesus. And He has, by His will, formed this church to be a lighthouse for the gospel in Columbus. And so this building and these past five years that we as a church have been meeting have been all of grace. It is we want to keep all of our attention on Jesus this Sunday and every Sunday. I think it would be very appropriate for us to, in addition to giving a word of thanks to the people at Christ Community Church, also to give a word of thankfulness and gratitude and gratefulness to the people of Evangel Temple. I was counting it up. It's hard to believe, uh, but my wife is down here on the second row. I'm not sure if we're going to camp out and make that our row. We'll probably keep you off balance and move around a little bit, but... 17 years ago, actually, yes, 17 years ago in 1993, I was a young lieutenant going through Fort Benning. I'm from the nation of California originally, and um, 17 years ago, I was a young lieutenant with a haircut uh, that young lieutenants have, and I wandered into the doors of Evangel Temple, and I saw a girl singing in the choir, and And I wasn't paying much attention to the sermon that day, honestly. 
Um, and so I noticed her, and in addition to wanting to accidentally bump into her, I was also looking for a free lunch, let's be honest. In fact, we've got some young lieutenants in here and young soldiers. If you see a guy with short hair, invite him to lunch. He's hungry. <laughs> and in the midst of trying to accidentally position myself to bump into that young lady who has red hair, a lady who's older than her, not older, but older than her, with red hair also came and started to invite me to lunch. I wanted to generously accept her invitation for a free meal, but shirk her and then go accidentally bump into the young lady with the red hair. But then the lady, the young lady started walking towards us, and I realized that they looked a lot alike. And um, it was my future mother-in-law. And so I went to lunch that day, and from that day on, I really, uh, Evangel Temple became a big part of my life. And in 1998, when I got out of the Army and we came back here, I was gracious, I was humbled to serve that church and five years ago, they, in uh, just an, an incredible kindness to us, encouraged us and helped us at the beginning to plant this church. And so, uh, as we thank Christ community, can we, just, can we just give a hand clap of thankfulness to Evangel Temple for their generosity? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, let me read Galatians 6, verse 14, and then I have four thoughts about what it means for us to boast in the cross today. Galatians 6, verse 14, Paul writes this letter to a group of people who are receiving confusing teaching on what the gospel is. Paul had previously planted this church and had been a primary influence in the establishment of this church's idea of the cross and the gospel. And as was his custom, he had left to go and plant other churches and he was hearing word that they were starting to receive some false teaching that you had to add something to what Jesus did on the cross, whether it be the Jewish custom of circumcision or some dietary law or some observance of a religious festival. And so Paul is writing this letter back to them to correct their incorrect views about how the gospel is Jesus plus something else. And he's writing to them saying that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and nothing else. And in fact, even that faith that you have was given to you by God in grace. And so we're going to parachute down into the last chapter and isolate our attention to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, where the Apostle Paul writes this, and I'll read it, and then we'll pray. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Well, let's ask the Lord to help us understand what he has for us this morning from his word. Father, I am so thankful. You have been good to us. Lord, I know that in my life, I grew up in a wonderful family that taught me well, but I was, I was consumed in sin and rebellion and self-righteousness when you saw fit, not because of anything good in me, but because of your kindness and your grace and your mercy to save me by what Jesus did on the cross. Now, Lord, as we 
open up your word. We come to your Bible with, with the belief that it is not a book of morality or a book of principles for better living, but it is in fact your inspired word to us, which is completely true, which holds out all for us that we need to know for life and godliness, and it shows us the way back to you. We stand by nature and by choice people that have rebelled against you who don't need help, but we need to be rescued and saved and to be brought back to life. And so, Lord, today I pray simply two things. I pray, Lord, that if there be anybody in this room who is not yet a believer in Jesus, who is not yet a born-again Christian, whether they think they already are or whether they know they are not yet, and they're here just out of curiosity. God, I pray that not because of a nice facility or good music or some thoughts, but because of the power of the gospel which saves men and women and children, I pray, God, that you would cause them to be born again by your living and abiding word and that you would use the feeble words of this preacher to bring about your glorious will in their life. God, I pray that people would see and savor Jesus and that they would treasure him above all things in this world. And then secondly, Lord, I pray for those of us who are already Christians, those of us that make up this church and those of us that are visiting from other churches, those of us who have believed in Jesus. God, I pray that this would be more than an opening Sunday, but that you would stir our affections for Jesus. We come to treasure what you did in Christ on the cross to save sinners like us. So God, would you stir our affections and would you cause worship to swell up in our bellies and then would it burst out in praise and boast? for what you have done in Christ on the cross for us. And God, I pray that as we leave this place, that every person, boy, girl, old, young, would leave this place saying, surely the Lord has spoken to me. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our King. Amen. I have four quick points. Point number one about this verse that we will boast, that Paul says that we should boast in nothing but the cross, is that we were, we were made to boast. We were, we were made to worship God. We were made to, to, to just reflect. Genesis 1, 26 says that we were made in the image of God and we were made to reflect God. We were made to mirror and to image and to show forth the greatness of our God. We, we are, the evidence is all around us that we are worshipers and we are great at it. Every person, whether they are a believer in God, whether they know Jesus as their Lord, every person in this room, every person that has ever lived is a worshiper. We all worship. The evidence is all around us. We're, we're so good at giving our heart to the things that we love. We are great at it. Just yesterday, stadiums were full of people who were wearing colors and the last few minutes of certain games and certain close vicinities determined just, just how happy or how sad we can be. And I, I won't mention any outcomes of any games, but I think that you know what I'm talking about. We were either really 
happy to boast or we were, we were, we were mad at the other team or our quarterback or whatever. We were made to make much of God and that is not mutually exclusive with our joy, friends. This is something that we have been trying to hammer into our hearts for the past four years is that there tends to be this thought that to worship God and to boast in Christ alone and to give your heart fully to the Lord somehow means that you have to forsake some pleasure that otherwise would be really, really good. But friends, nothing could be further from the truth. Everything that we have was given to us to, so that we might enjoy God and know Him forever. We were made to worship and We were made to eat food. And when we eat that food, we were made to say, Oh, this filet mignon tastes so good. God is good. We were made to wake up and to look out the window and to see the sunset and to say, Oh, God is good. We were made to righteously look at a person of the opposite gender when we are not yet married and to set our eyes on them and to say, Oh, oh, oh bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I am going to try and accidentally bump into her and give my heart to her and adore her. We were made to worship the things that God has... We were made to worship God through the things that He has given us so that we would boast in a Creator who is good and wants good for His children. We were made to boast. We are worshipers, all of us. But that brings us to our second point, is that we have all made ourselves and created things the object of our boasting. This is what the same Apostle Paul writes to another church in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and through verse 3. He writes this, and this applies to every human being in this room and that has ever lived, not just to the Ephesians that he was writing to at that time. This is what he says about where we stand before we are born again. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's all of us, friends. And so point number one is is that we were made to boast. Point number two is that we all, because of our willful rebellion against the graciousness of a good and loving creator, we have all turned that boast either onto ourselves or onto the created order rather than the creator. Some people in this world boast in their sin. They live how they want. They think that these 70 or 80 years that their creator that they don't acknowledge is all that there is to it, and they boast in their sin. Some people, and this is so common in our area and in our region of the country, some people boast in their morality and their self-righteousness and in their church attendance. There are even pastors that boast in how big their churches are or how slick their sermons are or how many, how, how many programs they have. Our boast is not in any of those things. But we by nature, because we are glory thieves, we want to boast in our own self-righteousness. Some people boast, or at least they're banking on, a warped view of karma. Feeling like, if, well, if you're just a little bit better than the next guy, that surely God will understand as if God 
sort of grades on a curve. And just as long, you know, it's kind of like that story of the hunter in the woods. And you say, you know, what if a bear attacks your thing and how fast do you have to be? Well, I just have to be faster than the guy with me because the bear's going to get him. And we kind of translate that to, I used to think of that in terms of sharks uh, swimming. I used to be petrified of sharks. Uh, I think it's because my dad is here from California visiting us. When I was about seven or eight, he took me to the movie Jaws, which was a terribly unwise decision. <laughs> I don't know why you did that, Dad. But uh, I, I've never, since that time, this is no joke, I've never gotten in the ocean more than waist deep. I'm not having it. And if you've seen those Discovery Channel flyovers with Shark Week, do you know how many sharks are actually out there? There are hundreds of them. I'm not getting in the water, man. Swimming pool is good enough for me. But here's the point. If you're swimming with somebody and a shark attacks, how fast do you have to be? How, how good of a swimmer do you have to be? Just faster than the cat next to you. And most of us live our lives towards God like that. I'm just a little bit better than the next guy. And that is a broken and worldly and completely unbiblical view. It's called karma. Ah, it kind of works out in the end. Ah, I'm all right. Friends, in every bit of love and grace I can give you today, that is not the Bible, then that is completely false, and it's one of the greatest lies of our culture some people boast in their hope that things will just eventually work out in the end. And we have all made our own works. We have made our own pursuits. We have made our own desires that God gave us for our good into a sinful object of our boast. And friends, the right and just response to our glory thievery is separation from Him forever. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. And this is point number three. Is that in response to our selfish boasting, God gives us the cross. In response to our self-worship, God sends His Son, the God-man, Jesus, to come and live among us. The Bible says in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. The Bible says that he had to become like us in every way. That means Jesus lived the same rugged life, experiencing all of the trials and temptations that every person in this room has ever been through. But he did it righteously and perfectly. And then he willingly, not because the Roman Empire, because some Jewish leaders betrayed him, but willingly he offered his life, the scriptures say, on the cross as a substitute for us. Friends, all of us deserve the judgment and the wrath of God, whether we are a terrorist in the Middle East or whether we are a good little church kid that grows up in the Bible Belt. All of us, whether through wanton sin or through trusting in our own righteousness, through boasting in ourselves. We all deserve God's righteous judgment. And in our stead, God offers Himself, Jesus, the Son of God, on the cross. And Jesus bears the wrath of God for us. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, one of the most important verses in the Bible. In fact, Martin Luther who is the great reformer in 1517, who nailed the, the statement to the chapel door at Wittenberg that broke the Protestant Reformation wide open, 
said that this verse is the great exchange. And this is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, for our sake, meaning Jesus, for our sake, or for us, God, he made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So on the cross, as God's response to our selfishness, God the Father makes Jesus, literally makes Jesus the sin-bearing substitute for us, the perfect one, the Lamb of God. He actually takes your judgment, my judgment, and the judgment for all who would ever call upon Him and repent and believe. He takes it on Himself and He bears, He bears alone the wrath of God on the cross. And He bears it completely. He satisfies. It's not, it's not just 99% and then we have to do a little bit more. He satisfies completely the righteous judgment of a holy God for all those who will repent and believe. And He takes it away. He takes it away. In fact, just yesterday or the day before was the Day of Atonement for Israel. It was the day that in the Old Testament, and they still celebrate today, they would gather two lambs and they would take one, a goat, and they would transfer their sins to him, the priest would, and then they'd send the little goat out into the wilderness. This was what God told them to do in Leviticus. And he told the priest to, to, for the people, because they're sinful, get this little goat, pray the transference of the sins on this little goat, and then lead him away into the wilderness. And there was this one guy who had to actually walk the goat <laughs> out into the wilderness. Like, can you imagine the guy... You're the guy. You're, I mean, this is not walking your dog at Brit David Park. This is taking the goat that is bearing the sins of Israel on his... I mean, I'd keep him at a distance, long leash. You take him out and make sure he doesn't come back. And then there was another lamb that would be sacrificed. And Jesus becomes both. He becomes the scapegoat. He becomes the one who takes our sin away. And he becomes the one who dies for our sins. And, and Jesus satisfies and absorbs the wrath of God. And that is God's response to our selfish boasting. But friends, this is so important. And this has been our message for the past five years. And it will be our message for as long as God gives us breath that this gracious act of kindness by God doesn't apply universally to everybody just because they agree with it or just because they grow up in the South or just because they're relatively good people. This applies for only those who repent and believe and trust and treasure Jesus. And that brings us to our fourth point. The first is, is that we were made to boast. The second is that we have all made ourselves the object of our own boasting. Thirdly, God's response to our selfish boasting is the cross. And then, our final point is that we boast in the cross. We are saved. We are made right with God only by trusting and treasuring Christ alone. We are made right by treasuring what Jesus did on the cross. Do you see this amazing twist of God's kindness? He made us to be worshipers. He made us to boast. And in our willful rebellion, we have turned that boast onto ourselves. And now in response to our rebellion, God has turned it around and offered Jesus on the cross 
so that if we will boast in Him by repenting and believing in Jesus, we are now free to be restored to boast like we were intended to boast in Christ alone. And so to boast in the cross means that you don't just cognitively agree with the message of Christianity. It's not just seven leadership principles. It's not just three or four things that you have to adapt to your life to start living better. It means to be a Christian, to boast in the cross, means that you repent and believe. It means that you turn from your treasured boasting of your own stuff, of our own things that we have turned inward. And it means that we trust in Jesus, repent and believe. It doesn't mean that you have to repeat a prayer or join a church or fill out a card, although those things can be very, very helpful. It means that right now, friend, you may realize by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have trusted in yourself or karma or you have treasured some sin above the Son of God who died for you. And right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who could be opening up your heart to the gospel, you see Him for the first time. Whether you grew up in a church or whether you wandered in here for the first time because you saw the sun, I don't care because all humanity stands accountable before God and He, by the power of His Holy Spirit, not because you're good, not because you're wise, not because you're intelligent, but because He loves you, He can cause you right now to see Christ and to turn from the treasure of your own feeble boasting and to trust in Jesus. Friends, do that right now. Do that right now. Repent and believe. See Jesus. Treasure Him. Don't just cognitively agree agree with the message of Southern Christianity. Give Him your heart and see Jesus. And that's what it means to boast in Christ. Jesus puts it this way. And I end with this verse. And just so you know, this is fair warning. A much shorter message than I usually preach. (laughs) Just fair warning, because we do hope you come back next week. This is what Jesus says about what it means to be saved. You see, we've boiled it down to a formula. Church attendance, you know, some morality, some little prayer. And listen, friends, all of those things are good. Let's pray. Let's there's helpful little things that help us. But this is this is what it means to this is what it means to treasure and to trust in Jesus. This is what it this is the result of repenting and believing, and this is what Jesus says in Matthew thirteen. We don't talk this way in our church. Our churches do. We, we, we want to break it down to just some little thing that I have to do. But listen to how Jesus describes what it means to boast in Him. Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. If one of you did that, in modern day times, if we just said, hey, look, I think I found something that's worth it. I sell all that I have. We would, we would bring you into a counseling room and say, bro, are you sure? We don't, we don't act this way. We are so pragmatic and so measured. In verse 45, he gives another parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
And of course, the analogy that Jesus is making is that he is that pearl of great price. He is that treasure hidden in a field. He's not the He's not the ticket to that thing. He is that thing. That's why the prosperity and the health and wealth gospel is so false. Because it presents God as merely a means to an end, which is a better life. But Jesus is not the means to an end. He is the means and He is the end. He is the pearl of great price. And to be a Christian, to boast in the cross, to turn from your own little things, your own, our own little stuff, is not just to cognitively agree, but it is to treasure Christ above all things, to boast, to be what God intended you to be, to be a worshiper who with your whole heart and your whole life and every sense that God has given you to boast in the cross of Christ. The guys are going to come back and lead us in a few songs of worship and response. But here's my question for us this morning as we gather in great joy and thankfulness for how good his God has been to us. Are you not yet a believer in Jesus? Friends, I hope you know that this new location and this building means absolutely nothing to us except for the fact that it might be a God-given tool for us to make much of Jesus and to proclaim the message of the gospel so that you will treasure it. That's all this is. And so, friends, have you become aware of the fact in this past hour by the graciousness of God's Holy Spirit that draws men and women and boys and girls to Jesus so that they see? Have you become aware that you are boasting in yourself? Well, I believe that is evidence that God has given you ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus. What you do now is you you make a conscious, willful decision to turn from treasuring the created things. You trust in Jesus and you repent and believe. It doesn't have to, it has to be so mechanical. Just look and see Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. Forgive me. I'm yours. Come, be my Lord. Just right now, believe, believe. Repent and believe in Jesus. Treasure him. Come to Christ. We're not going to embarrass you. Right now, where you are, repent and believe. Is Jesus making himself real to you right now? Do that, friends. If you're a Christian already, here's my question for you. Has your life become centered on your things? Is your boast in your status, your friends, your children, your wife, your husband, your team, this church? By the graciousness of God, look up and see the only thing worth boasting in. Look up and see the only thing worth boasting in. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Friends, does this stir your affections for Jesus? Does this stir your affections for Jesus? That's our whole goal this morning. Well, I'm going to pray. If you are believing in Jesus for the first time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a conscious decision in your own words to turn from sin. If you are living a life that is contrary to what you know God has revealed to you as righteousness. And friends, look, there's a lot you may need to know about what it means to be a Christian, but I believe that the Holy Spirit can reveal to your heart that the way you may be living right now is not honoring God. What it means to repent is to forsake that right now, to say, Jesus, I know you, you're calling me to live for you. Turn from that. Treasure Christ, even as I'm praying. In your own words, treasure Jesus. Believe in him. See the crucified, resurrected Son of God. Treasure Jesus. And Christian, as I'm praying, let the affection of Christ stir in your heart. As is our custom here at Crosspoint, every Sunday we have communion available. On the first Sunday of the month, we take it together. There's communion tables on the side, on each side. And if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a Christian, you are open to come and receive communion with us. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just need to be a believer in Jesus. You are welcome to come and receive communion with us at your leisure. Find a place to kneel down if that would be best for you. And Take your time. The band is going to lead us in a few songs of worship and response. But as we sing now, let's treasure Christ together and boast in the cross alone. Let's all stand before I pray. Lord, as we come now to see and savor Jesus on the cross, we are so grateful for what you have done in us. Lord, you've been good. You have been, for your glory and our good, so kind to bless this church. And so, Lord, we come now with hearts open wide and mouths open to boast in the cross alone, not in ourselves. Lord, I pray, as we prayed at the beginning, that if there be a person in this room who has not trusted and treasured Jesus as their King and their Savior and their pearl of great price, God, would you cause them to be born again, as Peter says, by the living and abiding Word of God. Would your Holy Spirit come right now and break callous hearts? Would it come now and warm, doubting, discouraged hearts? And would you cause that person to see Jesus? And Lord, for the rest of us that have already done that, would you stir our affections for Jesus now as we boast in the cross alone. In Jesus' name, amen.